0: Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to every one that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. See not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be put to
1: shame. Welcome to The Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. As you listen, you can expect the word of the living God to encourage, challenge, and comfort you. We live in difficult times, but we can expect our God to provide answers to the big questions in your life through His word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary,
2: there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me too.
1: On the Unchanging Word program, we are in Romans chapter 10, and we're looking at verses 4 through 8. We're looking at what the righteousness of faith is, and how it is the end of the law for righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. That is the word of faith which we are preaching, as the Apostle Paul writes. Dr. Mitchell asks, What side of the cross are you on? Are you on the one side of the cross where there is law, sin, and death? Or are you on the other side, on the resurrection side of the cross, where there is life and union with the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord? Well, Dr. Mitchell will go on to explain the difference between the righteousness based on law and the righteousness based on faith. So take your Bible and turn with us to Romans chapter 10, verse four. Here is Dr.
0: Mitchell. Thank you, good day, friends. We continue our studies again today in the book of Romans chapter 10. We have been dealing with the fact that in chapter nine, God brought the people of Israel, granted to them the place of privilege of becoming God's messengers to the nations, the one through whom Christ should come. He made them the depository for the word of God, and they failed God because of unbelief. Now the nation being full of unbelief, what shall we do? So chapter 10, though God is in governmental discipline uh, with Israel as a nation, turns and offers a personal salvation to individual Jews, and I might include there, of course, Gentiles. God today is not dealing with nations, He is dealing with individuals. When God starts to deal with nations, when God starts to deal with Israel, He's going to deal with them in righteousness, for His judgments will be righteous. How else could God judge but righteously? And then he will work out his purpose with the nations and with Israel in the future. But today, in this age of grace, God is dealing with individuals irrespective of who they are, what they are, and so on. Now we were dealing in our last lesson with the fact, in verses 2 and 3, that Israel had a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And they went about trying to establish their own righteousness they did not submit themselves to the righteousness of God. The Jews claimed that they were following God's law, but they didn't keep the law. Nobody did, except our Savior. And because they were occupied with themselves and what they were doing in trying to merit favor with God, they did not submit themselves to the righteousness of God. For Judaism is a is a religion of do, as well as of ceremonies. But God's righteousness, God's salvation, is by simple faith. And hence, because they would not submit themselves to the Word of God, they had no spiritual discernment. They did not believe what God had said was true, and hence they were ignorant of his righteousness. And may I again say, Today, one cannot have one's own righteousness and have also the righteousness of Christ. You remember the Apostle Paul could say in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, I count everything but loss, what for? That I might be found in Jesus Christ, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God, by faith. And when a person seeks to establish their own righteousness, they are betraying their ignorance of the righteousness of God. And I might say very bluntly, the reason why people will not bow before God is because of their pride. As one man said some time ago on our eastern coast, he said, I'm preacher by the way, said, I'd rather go to hell on my own two feet than go to heaven on the back of another. Well, there's one thing for sure. We know where he's gone. Now, when you come to verse 4, you have God's, God's method. God's method of putting righteousness, divine righteousness, to the account of men and women. So, verse 4 says, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. If I might change the wording just for a moment to get the thought to your heart. Christ is the end of works for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Remember, this is God's method. He's the end of the law. The law has had nothing to say since the death of our Savior. The law was until Christ. And again, I repeat what I said the other day in our last lesson. The law was imposed upon the nation Israel because of their ignorance of the righteousness of God and their ignorance of their own condition. When a person tells me that they're going to be saved by keeping the law of Moses, then I say you're going to be lost because no one except our Savior ever has kept the law of Moses. See, people fail to realize that the law, even the law of God, has a corresponding penalty. The wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Cursed is everyone who continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. And he that breaketh the law in one point is guilty of all, and the law never gives you a second chance. You see, friends, what we need is not the law. What we need is a savior. What we need is not even an example. Well, you see, the Bible says Christ was our example. In what thing? Not in salvation, in meekness, in humility. That verse that you're quoting is in First Peter uh, chapter 2. Christ left us an example that we should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, he reviled not again, but left all things to him who judges righteously. No friend, let me be let me be very, very clear. Christ is the end of the law, the end of works for righteousness to every one that believeth. The wonderful thing, this Christ has met every claim, every demand of the law. Christ is all that we need. The law was terminated at the cross for the believer. The account is closed. Take a book of Ephesians, chapter two. The book of Colossians, chapter two. You know, one could multiply the passages. All the law can do is to curse, and the law, I repeat it, has had nothing to say since the death of Christ. For example, let me say a word to you who are Christians. You of trusting the Savior. Let me ask you, what side of the cross are you on? Are you on the one side of the cross where you have law and sin and death, and those three you can't separate? The law is the strength of sin. The wages of sin is death. But you see, I accepted the Savior. Yes, and now you're joined to the risen Lord. And you don't find sin or death a law on that side of the cross. When you and I came as sinners and received a Savior, we received one who not only had died and had been buried, but one who had been raised again from the dead and the very resurrection of Christ from the dead. My friend, is, is your proof before God that the law has no more to say to you. The account is closed. Every demand of the law against you and me was settled by Jesus Christ at the cross. Do you remember it says in Ephesians chapter 2, if you start in from verse 14, For Christ is our peace, who hath broken down the middle wall of petition between us, that is, between Jew and Gentile, Even, even the law of ordinances, that he might take Jew and Gentile and unite them into one body, called the church, and he preached peace. He not only made peace, but he preached peace and made peace, and he is our peace. And the laws had nothing to say. That's why you have at the end of Galatians chapter 2, verse 21, if justification, if salvation is by works, by the law, then Christ died in vain. The very fact that Christ died and was raised again, my friend, is God's proof to you of your liberation from the law and its curse. You remember in Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangeth on the tree. Or in Galatians chapter 4, in the fullness of time God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. What for? That he might redeem them who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So, you have in verse 4 of Romans 10 the fact that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. It may be well for me to give you two or three verses just to go right along with this same thought. For example. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, I read, For God hath made him, that is Jesus, to be sin for us, he who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Or one could take 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, For of him are you in Christ Jesus, who in the wisdom of God has been made unto us Righteousness. Or you take Romans chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. Or in verse 24, I read, being declared righteous freely, by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Or you take Romans 4, 5, To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. Now, let me just say this. The one thing that delights the heart of God more than anything else is when a man or a woman will come and really, really believe God. That is, will believe what God has said. Will accept the divine provision for their eternal salvation. This makes the heart of God rejoice. You remember our Lord said when he walked among men that there is joy in the midst of the angels of heaven when one sinner repents. That is, when one turns around and accepts the Savior becoming member of the family of God. But more than that, covered with the very righteousness of Christ and the very righteousness of God put to your account and my account. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Now, starting in, in verse 5 and running through verse 11, the apostle begins to contrast the works and faith, the principle of works and the principle of of faith, or he contrasts legal righteousness with a by-faith righteousness. Listen to it. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, See not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what sayeth it? The word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be put to shame. Now, I've read that passage, verses 5 to 11. First of all, righteousness by works. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verses 11 to 14, which we have here given to us in these verses, now legal righteousness, as Paul Paul says in verse 5, Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, the man which doeth those things shall live by them. In other words, The law of God demands righteousness, which would be evident by perfection, that one would never, never, never break the law. In one point, in one point, the moment the law is broken just once, then the judgment of God falls upon that heart. You see, the utter frailty and hopelessness and helplessness of man If anybody is going to be saved, God's got to do it. And he's got to do the whole thing. The whole thing. Take Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5. You take Galatians chapter 3, 11 to 12. Now I've been quoting these verses right along. You take Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. And again I say, Even if a man did keep the whole law, it would still be his own righteousness and not God's. Did you hear what I said? Supposing you did keep the whole law, it's a big, pretty big supposition because nobody from Adam to the present day except our Savior has ever kept all the law. And for you or anyone else to say, I'm doing the best I can, what more can God expect? Well, my friend, whether we like it or not, the law says you must die if you've even broken it just once. You see, what we need is not more strength to keep the law. What we need is a power from the outside. And God has made his salvation apart from man, and that salvation is in his Son. As I said in verse 4, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Now then, in verses 6 to 8, we have by faith righteousness, and this depends upon divine testimony. I said a moment ago, uh, it's a quotation from Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 11 to 14. And the Spirit of God applies these words to Christ. Our Lord did come. He did die. He was raised again from the dead. And the work is all done. The whole work of redemption is completed. God doesn't need you to do another thing. But now he offers to you and to me a perfect a complete salvation. All God wants you to do, my friends, is to accept it. The gospel has been preached. They heard it. They knew its terms, but they wouldn't accept it. They still wanted to stake by their own self-righteousness. Now, I'm asking you, my friend, will you accept it? You have heard the gospel. It's been preached to you. You know its terms. God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. To as many as received him, to them he gives the right to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. That means to put your trust in him. And when the Philippine jailer said to Paul and Silas, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Isaiah 53 1 says, Who hath believed our report? What report? The report from God to men. God has already revealed himself in his Son, Jesus Christ. And God is not going to give any more revelation than he has given. He has given enough revelation for you and me to turn to the Savior. Stop our deadly doing. start and trust Jesus Christ. This is what God wants of you. The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, the word of faith which we preach. And again I say you have two real principles that can't be mixed. Either you're going to be saved by works or you're going to be saved by faith. Not works plus faith, not faith plus works. You're either going to be saved on the principle of works or on the principle of faith. It's very obvious you can't be saved on the principle of works. Nobody has. Nobody has been saved that way. And don't think for one moment, after having had the word of God for for centuries, you can't find one person, either old or new testament that was ever saved by his works. You can't find one. My friend, why don't you come God's way? Why don't you come God's way? God wants you to accept his Son as your own personal Savior. As we have in verse 9, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. If I'm talking to many today who have never accepted the Savior, friend, why don't you accept him? And Christian friend, why not go ahead and communicate this truth to others? This is God's truth. This is God's gospel. Pass it on to somebody else.
2: Sim